If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You're listening to Jedi and Germs, a weekly podcast brought to you by Torn by Sports and blogtalkradio.com. I'm Alan Zog, the Jedi. He's John English, the Germs guy. Hello, John. Hello, Alan. How are you this week? I'm Andy. We haven't spoken in a couple weeks. I mean, gosh darn jazz season gets in the way and we have games and I go to games and you go to games or watch games and suddenly we can't record so yeah we didn't have a show last week so bummer but we're here and we're here to talk about last show would have been more positive this than this week's too so here we go with with yeah anyway in the midst of a losing <laughs> streak um so i uh, you know we've i don't know we might as well just start with with where the jazz are at right now right yep jazz are five and six um I do believe there was one or two wins more that we thought we were going to get. Uh, I think if we had looked a month ago, we would have been surprised at the Phoenix loss. Yeah. And honestly, playing the Sixers without Embiid, I'm surprised they lost. And so it's a matter of looking at, okay, what's going on, what happened. And the past week has been demoralizing because you had two teams, Toronto and Houston, where their offense was just too good for our defense. You had Harden put on a historic performance against the Jazz. And then you had the Sixers come in, and the Jazz could not shoot at all. They had an offensive rating of 91.1 in that game, which is one of the worst in the history of the franchise. So... You know, this week didn't feel as positive as we might have felt last week. Um, last week they were five and three. Now they're five and six. Yeah. And the bright side of this, at least, is they still have their next three games at home against not as good competition. Uh, so maybe they can turn it around. Their next game is against Miami. Miami's four and six right now. After that, they play Brooklyn. Brooklyn's four and seven right now. After that, they play Minnesota, and Minnesota. They're they're seven and three, but their their net rating is negative. They just their offense just happens to be good enough to overcome the really bad defense. So I I think that is still a win game too. It's just a matter of can the Jazz learn from what's been going wrong this past week and correct it. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, you spoke of the last couple of games they lost. I mean, Toronto Toronto's just a really good defensive team right now. So I. I that game, that game, I, I wondered, I was almost ready to chalk it up as a loss before it happened. I'm a very good team, very good defensive team. Houston, Houston was a little bit to me because listening to the, listening to the, uh, the, the, you know, analysts, the people, you know, the, during the game, all this kind of stuff, they were talking about the fact that, that Houston, I think it was Locke even said, Houston's just not a very good shooting team. Um, in fact, they take the most threes in the NBA, but they shoot them in the 28th worst clip. They're just not a very good. They just don't shoot the ball real well right now. Um, and yet that night against the Jazz, it was lights out from everybody. Um, so, so do you fault that on the Jazz's ability, inability to, to guard, or do you, you put that on Houston's just hitting shots? Well, Houston is third in efficient field goal percentage, and Toronto sixth. Right. And they were probably helped by facing the Jazz. Sixers are now ninth, so. Well, I, know, I, all, of, all of them wind up being good offensive team. No, I'm um, just I'm just the Rockets referring... are fourth. Toronto's fifth. But Philadelphia, I mean, Philadelphia's twentieth. Right. And yet the Jazz still couldn't find a way to stop them 
scoring 104 points. Right. And it, it was just the offense. The offense is so bad. And it's, you can, you can overcome a lot if you have a really good defense, but the offense has to be somewhat there. Right. And it just isn't. No, I agree. I, and I, I felt like, I felt like, you know, last night I was there last night for the game against uh, Philly. You know, Chess shot 29% overall, like was the final clip. They shot horribly. Um, I said this on Twitter. I mean, you had Rubio, Hood, and Mitchell combined 10 for 48 from the floor. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's just, just horrid. That's just, that's putrid, I use the word. Um, it, it's awful. I mean, everything about it. And, it, it, you know, you expect those shots are going to fall. So, Jazz bad offense really didn't bode well for them in the overall performance last night. And I think you're right. That's, that's what it came down to um, was their bad offense turned into just not as good defense. Um, I, I'm, I'm not ready to hit the panic button. I don't think there's any changes they have to make at this point in time. I just think that, that, that patience is, is going to be needed for a little bit here. And this will even themselves out. Am I right to say that? It is okay. But I will also say this. Jazz offensive rating right now is 99.2. Last year, the worst offense in the league was the Sixers, and they were still at 100.7. And we're not the worst offense. There are a few teams that are struggling. Um, one thing game interesting and why the Jazz really should win, Miami's offense is just as bad as the Jazz's, but their defense is worse. So there's no reason at all for the Jazz to lose that game. Right. That'll put them back to six and six. They can start to feel a little better about themselves. Then they face Brooklyn, which has just been a historically bad team. Um, you know, Brooklyn, where is Brooklyn at? Brooklyn, they're, they're, they got a net of minus 4.8. So their offense is 102, but their defense is 106. Right. I mean, Jess should be able to have fun against that. The 22nd on defense. So, I mean, you beat Miami, you beat Brooklyn, you're back to seven and six. You can start to feel good about yourself. And then if you can beat Minnesota, overcome good offense because their defense is so bad, their defense is, I think they're second worst. Right. Fourth worst defense in the NBA. So if they win the next three, Jazz are eight and six. We're probably calming down. Um, you know, we're we're coming off just a historically bad defensive showing against the Rockets, followed by a historically bad offensive showing against the Sixers. Right. So this is rough. Well, um, it's not time to panic, but it is. I I still have concerns. <laughs> well, and I and I believe there are concerns to be had. I, I'm going to offer a couple of thoughts here too uh, on the offense. A um, couple of things that I've noticed. Um, well, I mean, first of all, let's, let's point this out. Jazz offense last year, they had George Hill and they had Gordon Hayward. They don't have George Hill. They don't have Gordon Hayward Two big losses on offense. I think, um, because they, 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 the spacing was better with the two of them on the floor. Uh, George Hill was a better shooter. Uh, Gordon Hayward was a better shooter than some of the options they have right now. So you, you took some big hits by losing both of them. Um, the other thing that, that I feel like is huge here is, and I don't want to touch too much on this because we had a, we had a listener question on this. We'll get to it, but is Rudy Gobert and the attention that he's garnering, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and, and again, that goes back to no Gordon Hayward and no George Hill. I feel like Gordon Hayward and George Hill were that much of an impact offensively. And that's why the, the team is just not, not where it, where it was last year yet. And I don't know if it will be. Yeah, I mean, Churchill only played 49 games, so you can factor that into it. Um, the, op- the defense so far is actually better than last year's defense. Right. It's just, it's it's like one point better on defense, but we're eight point worse on offense. Right. So we need, and I was, I was looking at numbers with uh, Favors and Gobert, kind of seeing uh, how that works out, because if you want them to play together too much. And when they are together, the team does struggle. 
Jazz, Jazz are 99.2 offensive rating right now. When Gobert and Favors are on the floor together, the team has a 97.6 offensive rating. Interesting. That's pretty bad. Uh, their personal offensive numbers look decent, but the team overall is just terrible when they're both on the floor. One one positive note I like three. about Derek Favors this year is that corner three seems to become a favorite of his shot now. He, he's hitting some corner threes, and it's been a nice addition to his game, and I think that's going to help the Jazz as the season goes on too. Yeah. Um, uh, he does look like he's starting to hit it now. He missed his first few tries, but, um, you know, if he only takes one a game, cool. Um, if, he's, if he starts to get more consistent with it and he tries it more, that's fine too. You know, he's at, he's at 26% right now. So I'm not too comfortable with him taking it, but he has made three of his last five attempts. So maybe maybe that's going to get there. And three of last five, by the way, percentage-wise is 66%. That's pretty good. Yep, uh, 60%. Um, if he can keep that up, great. I don't know why to? I said 66. No. You're right, 60. And Devin's shaking his head. <laughs> all right, so Alan can't do math. All right, fine, whatever. <laughs> what, the thing that I found, though, with uh, Favors and Gobert is the most effective combination when they're both on or when just one of them's on. The Jazz do best offensively when Favors is on the floor and Rudy is not. And that's the only time that the jazz overall have a net positive rating their offense and defense is actually pretty good balance when it's just favors and i'm that those are five the jazz so far uh, um when when uh derek is on the floor and rudy is off derek's uh efficient field goal percentage percentage is 59.6 when he's on the floor with Gobert, that drops to 54.2. Rudy, when Favors is off the floor, his efficient field goal percentage is 72%. I mean, he's just amazing. Now, the, the problem is that is getting scouted by other teams. And you, especially Philadelphia, whenever Rudy would start to roll to the basket, he'd have three guys on him. Um, Rudy rolling to the basket has been well scouted. and. Teams are doing anything they can to stop that. I mean, Rudy is getting to the free throw line more. That's going to happen. But they're taking it away from him. And, you know, like Philadelphia, Ricky Rubio had a hard time getting it into him because not only is Rudy getting swarmed, but he has Ben Simmons on him. And then he had a 10-cup night from Donovan Mitchell where he's just shooting it every time he got the ball, and it didn't matter. I mean, I love his confidence. But when you're three of 18, maybe you should stop. Oh, now he's three of 19. Oh, now he's three of 20. Oh, now he's three of 21. Okay, the game's finally over. Well, to be fair in his defense, I mean, I already mentioned that three guys were a combined 10 of 48, and Donovan wasn't the worst of the bunny. I mean, Rubio wasn't great either, and neither was Hood. Uh, it, it, you know, I think Hood made only four shots, and Ricky made only three, or vice versa. But so, I mean, to, to be fair, it wasn't just on Donovan. The other two couldn't hit no matter what. Couldn't hit to save their lives. Um, yeah, Rick, Ricky was 4 of 16. Hood was 4 of 14. Uh, we just need better shooting from our guards. We just cannot win if our backcourt shooting like that. Right. No, I agree. No, And I'm going to go back to something you said. Um, you talked about uh, people pl- uh, guarding you know, fa- uh, Gobert just a little bit differently. You mentioned three guys sagging. Um, that's one of the things I noticed. I've been watching kind of some videos of his shots this year quite a few times. And that Philly game is a perfect example. Um, they had a lot of guys aren't coming out. They're slipping the pick on the pick and roll. Um, the defender is slipping underneath, avoiding coming out to guard Rubio and Rubio will drive to the basket and they're content letting him just go. And three guys are slipping back to make sure that, that, Gobert just doesn't get a shot, doesn't get the pass. And I think part of that is that Gobert and and Rubio just aren't on the same page yet. But part of that is that teams are content with letting, you know, Rubio get into the paint if they have to, because they feel like can guard him. Um, But they're not going to let Gobert get the the ball in the sweet spot. 
Well, teams know they can play off Rubio. And yes, Rubio is shooting more. I think this taking, yeah, he's easily shooting more this year than he has in his whole career. Right. Um, but his percentages are, they're, they're getting back to the mean. He's 39.1 uh, shooting. He's just under 30% shooting from three. Uh, that's where you actually kind of expect Ricky to be. And so teams are recognizing that and they're slacking off of him. And, you know, that's the gamble you take. Right. No, I agree. So, and and that's uh, until until Rubio and Gobert, my opinion, until Rubio and Gobert can can figure things out, maybe Rubio hits more shots, but ultimately Rubio and Gobert have to get more creative. And and once they can figure out how to how to get on the same page, I think things will start to even out for them offensively. I really do. I, I don't think we're going to see this kind of struggle from the two of them all season long. I just don't believe that. So, no, I don't think we will. Um, you wanted to touch on Joe Johnson. Joe still has a few more games he's going to miss before he comes back. Um, I actually think that is good for him and the team that from the injury of his, he has not been playing well to start the season. He's shooting twelve percent three. He's sorry. Um, he's sorry. He's shooting what? Twelve percent from three. Yikes! Yeah. So, as bad as some of our shooting has been, it's not like Joe was better than anybody else when he went down. So I'm I'm hoping that with the time that he's been able to rest and get his wrists back together, that when he comes back, we'll be a little bit more of last year's Joe Johnson. Uh, it's it's been a positive because it's allowed Jonas Drebko to get some playing time from him. Um, he's shooting 57% from three. Now granted, he only gets a few minutes per game, but that is a nice, that is a nice option to have. Um, Drebko seems like a player that would like to play more at the four. Uh, we just need him to be better. And, you know, if, if he can play better within the system, he'll get more time. And, and that's, he could really use his skills right now. I agree. Um, all right, let's go ahead and look ahead then. Upcoming week, um, you did mention Miami, Brooklyn, Minnesota. You did talk about that before a four game road trip. Um, let let uh, where do you, where do you see the Jazz in all three of those games? You think the Jazz go three and zero, right the ship? I would love it if they did. But I think they will probably fall to Minnesota. So I'm going to say they go two and one. I'll put them at seven and seven before their road trip. You realize if they fall to Minnesota, they are then zero and two to Minnesota on the year, and that's kind of one of those critical swings when it comes to playoff time, right? I know, but I haven't seen enough from them to give me confidence they're going to win that game. Okay, um, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say three and zero. Devin, are you as optimistic as I am, or are you uh, with John on this one? I am less os- optimistic than both of you. You think one and two. I'm going to go one and two. Who are they going to lose to? Mm. Well, they're going to lose to Minnesota. Right. And who are the other two teams? They got the Heat and The Heat and Brooklyn. Brooklyn. They're not going to lose to Brooklyn at home, dude. They're going to lose to Brooklyn at home. Dude, Brooklyn's awful. Brooklyn is better than you think they are. They're awful. They are better than you think they are. No, they're not. Okay. Now, now that said, Russell's playing a heck of a season right now. Brooklyn is better than you think they are. <laughs> wow, Devin just went one and two. All right. That's, that's, Brooklyn is that's 25th in net rating. That's not good at all. Just wait. <laughs> All right. Just All just right. wait. All right. We'll fine. see. We'll see. Okay. Russell's playing great, but they don't have Jeremy Lynn. Jeremy Lynn done for the season. Mar- yeah. Mari Carroll's getting worse. I mean They got Trevor Booker. They do. It'll be fun to see him again. Yeah. 
I think I think uh, who was I talking to? Devin, was it you? I was talking to that we need to have like a serial get together with with Trevor Booker when he comes to town. Yeah, yeah. I I had talked to Book online and <laughs> and we were going to go get cereal when when he came to town. So I I need to check in with him and see if that's still happening or not. He needs to come up to Ogden and check out the Maltomil plant. That's what he needs. No, no, no. no. We're we're, <laughs> we're going to the cereal bar. All right, fine. Cereal bar it is. All right, that'll do it for Jazz News and Notes this week. Let's move on to NBA News and Notes. So, I think Phoenix came out pretty well, considering that they damaged Eric Bledsoe, uh, hurt his trade value, and yet they were still able to get Greg Monroe a first out of it. They probably could have gotten more if they had traded Bledsoe a month ago. But Greg Monroe is still just good enough that they might be able to flip him for other assets down the road. Uh, they did need to trade Bledsoe. You know, they they got a first out of it, even though it's heavily protected. And they have Monroe, whose contract expires at the end of the year, that they can probably turn into something else. So, fine. Good. Good for them. Uh, Phoenix remedied that situation. Uh, they've been playing better since they fired Earl Watson and benched Bledsoe. Not good enough to like make the playoffs or anything, but maybe they won't be the fifth in the West. Maybe they'll be four. Well, yeah, well, I do, do. You think? I see. I'm not a big fan of of Bledsoe. D- does Does Milwaukee really get that much better with Bledsoe? I think it'll help them. Bledsoe can be a 20-point-a-night kind of guy. Um, he's he's kind of short, but he's got long arms, and, you know, they they, they could use the help. Um, they, they, need, they need somewhat threat on the perimeter. I mean, he's not an amazing three-point shooter, but he's better than some of those other options that they have right now. Um, you know, Brogdon's great for them, but uh, Delavadova isn't exactly three-point threat, and it's not been great so far. So I, I think I think it's beneficial to them to have that extra boost. Other NBA news and notes. That was the main thing you wanted to get to this week, and I, I, I'm i trying to think through any other notes. Um, the, it's well, how been, about Cleveland having a historically bad defense? Yeah, well, and I was going to get to Cleveland. I mean, they're horrible right now on defense. They're just, they're just bad. Um, they're still one of the better offensive teams in the NBA. The last time I checked, I thought they were one of the top two or three. If I remember correctly, Golden State's number one, and I thought I heard Cleveland was right up there. But defensively, they're horrible. Yes. Yes, Cleveland is the number two offense. But they are the worst defense. And also comparing to last year, uh, Cleveland right now, compared to last year, their defense a couple points worse than the worst defensive team in the NBA last year. I mean, they're just a really bad defensive team. Yeah, this this season has gotten off to a very weird start. We've seen some interesting things. We've seen, you know, obviously Gordon Hayward go down and Boston seems to be going really well since he went down. I think they're they were 9 and 0 and possibly 10 and 0 with a, with tonight if they won tonight. Uh 10 and 0 since since Hayward went down. Am I right in that? I think it was 10 and 0. Yes, you're right. 10 in a row. So no Hayward. Kyrie's been playing really well. They're, they've reeled off nine in a row. Cleveland's bad defensively. All of a sudden, that trade is starting to look more and more favorable to Boston than it would have been to Cleveland. You've got Aaron Gordon in Orlando that's just been out of this world. Orlando's been playing extremely well. Like There is some weird things going on in the league right now. Are there not? Things that we didn't anticipate. Even we even mentioned Russell. Russell's been playing extremely well. Whoever saw that coming after the Lakers decided that experiment was over. So it's just been weird. Yeah. So um, should we move to the listener questions? Yeah, let's go ahead and move on to listener questions. Okay. The main one that I had, I feel like we pretty well addressed, which was about Gobert. Um, is asking about how 
why it seems like you can't seem to pass into Rudy. And I, I think it's just because teams have scouted it out and they're doing everything they can to not. Now, another one we had was uh, a tweet that David Smith sent out. He said that Capers is shooting 53%. He shot 50% in seven of the 11 games. He's only shot or more field goal attempts four times, including the first two games. Last four games, a total of 24 shot attempts. So they really be looking at favors more, giving favors more opportunities in the outfit. Yeah, I agree. I, I I think I think there's something to be said about that. Um, and they might have to if con- if teams continue to scout Gobert the way they are and take away his shot. I think they're going to have to look elsewhere offensively, and that might have to be with with favors. And they're going to have to figure out how to make it work with Gobert on the floor. So, um, and and like you mentioned, the two of them haven't been very good together, but it, they're going to have to figure it out. Um, and he made a point, and I tend to agree with him. <laughs> so, um, that was it for questions, though, wasn't it? Yes, it was. All right, let's move on to Devin's quick hits. Now, that yeah yeah I I oh, thought I oh, thought we were okay. ready for you. Wow, uh, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. We've we've talked a lot of NBA. Um, so let's jump straight over and and discuss some football. Um, local teams playing this week. Uh, Utah State is on a bye, so we won't be visiting their schedule beyond that. BYU lost to Fresno State last week. This week they play UNLV. On the road, it looks like. Who who are you taking in Friday's matchup? Well, I want to say the Cougars because, you know, go Cougars. I love the Cougars. I have no idea. No Tanner Mangum. It's quarterback competition right now. Um, I'll say that BYU wins it, but I just don't know what to expect. I just, that's how the season's been. Well, UNLV's four and five. And it's on the road, and we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. And I haven't had much faith in BYU winning another game this season. I mean, I'm glad they beat San Jose State. Ugh. So I I actually think they'll probably lose to UNLV. UMass, I'm not even sure if I'd give them UMass. <laughs> I mean... I yeah. just don't know. Yes, folks, you're hearing it. You're hearing it here. Two BYU fans that we just have no idea. <laughs> uh, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll I'll give them UMass. I'll say they UMass and who's who's their last game? Hawaii. Hawaii, Hawaii. in Hawaii. Yeah, that one they're not going to win. Usually lose at Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. So that would put them at three and and or whatever. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, it was a rough season. Yep. <laughs> All right. How about the Utes? Utes have number 19, Washington, uh, Washington State, actually, coming to Salt Lake Saturday afternoon game. Do you give the Utes a chance to win this one? I give the Utes a chance to win it. I'm not sure they will, though. Washington State? Yeah. Yes. Move. <sighs> I have a hard time picking the Utes against Washington State. See, Washington State has been kind of a an up and down team, though. I mean, they have they they played USC and won earlier this season, and then they beat Oregon, but then they lost to Cal thirty seven to three. That was their ugly loss. They they come back, they win against Colorado, but then they get beat by Arizona fifty eight to thirty seven. And they come back the next week and they win a close game against Stanford. So it really depends on what team shows up for them, right? Right. I agree. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to make you pick. Do you believe the Utes are finally starting to get it together or is it going to be back into the losses after last week's win against UCLA? I already picked. I picked, I picked Washington State. I actually think the the Utes will I, lose. I'm going to have to go Washington State as well. I think the Utes lose to Washington State and Washington, respectively. Okay. Well, let's look at the uh, the top 25 that we have. 
Um, playoff rankings are out. Leave number one, you have Georgia, two, Alabama, three. Um, Alan, who was number three? Can you remind me? I have no idea. I let's move on to number four. I at, at number I'm okay skipping number three. Number let's move on to Clemson, number four. But who was number three? I I don't I don't remember enough. I'm ready to move to number four and five and six. Let's keep going. Oh, I checked. It was Notre Dame. Notre yeah. Dame is number three. There is way too much love for a school like Notre Dame right now on this show. All right, so week 11. <laughs> week 11, here we go. Um, top 25 matchups. I'm just going to kind of rattle off the ones that might be interesting. Number 13, Michigan State against number 11, Ohio State. Who who are you taking? Uh, it's it's Ohio in Ohio. State. Yeah, Ohio State. Um, let's see. Number 12, Oklahoma state against number 24, Iowa state, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state's playing Oklahoma really state. well. Isn't Iowa state the one that's been pulling off like the upsets though. Yeah. But Oklahoma state's been really good this year. Yeah. But Iowa state's beaten TCU. Look, they you almost asked, beat West Virginia. You asked our picks. We both said Oklahoma they state. Oklahoma. Moving on. <laughs> Don't don't sleep on Iowa State. <laughs> Oklahoma State, thank you. Uh number two. Uh, it says number two. This must be AP. Um Georgia, Auburn, Auburn number ten and AP poll. Georgia. Yeah, Georgia, Georgia's a, the team to beat this year, I think. Yep. Uh number twenty five, Iowa, number six, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Wisconsin's undefeated, aren't they? Yeah, Wisconsin is undefeated. So, you know, that that should be a, a win for them. I'm I'm thinking them over Iowa. Um, let's see. Other matchups we have number 1 AP poll again. Uh, Alabama against number 18 Mississippi State. Alabama should win that. Can I root for Mississippi State? Yeah, but Alabama will win it. That's the only team you can root for. That's the rule. Okay, fine. Okay, the the last <laughs> two I think are my two favorite matchups. Um, you've got number eight TCU against number five Oklahoma at Oklahoma. I'm I'm going to go bold here. I pick, I'm picking TCU, but it is a very good matchup. I'm picking TCU. John. Ah, that is bold. That is a coin flip for me. Um, I want to win. I'd want TCU to win that one. I'll go ahead and pick them too. Okay, I'll I'll cross my fingers for TCU. Okay. And then your game of the week. Yeah, I know why you're picking your it as the game of the of week. The week. No, of, uh, <laughs> the Catholics versus the convicts. Notre <laughs> Dame, Notre Dame against Miami, the fake you. I'll go ahead and pick the Canes. You would. <laughs> I'm part Irish. <laughs> I'll take notes. Um, Where's it at? It's at Miami. This, definitely... this is this is your ABC primetime game. Yep. Um, number three, Notre Dame. Number seven, Miami. And uh, by the way, uh, are they both undefeated at this point in time? Because I know Miami is. No, Notre Dame has one loss. It was a one-point loss against Georgia at home. Miami is undefeated. Miami, I believe, is undefeated. Let yes. Let me check. Canes all the way. <laughs> yeah, but but they canceled the game against Arkansas State. Oh, and we my all gosh. Know, we know they would have won that one. We yeah. know how that one would have gone. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. You had your Notre Dame love on this podcast a lot more than it should have been. I did. I did. Oh, boy. And, and with their Heisman candidate, they, they have a good chance to make it into the playoff this year. All right. Um, NFL, how are you guys feeling about your teams? Alan, you got a new quarterback. Yes, Garoppolo. Uh, how am I feeling about my team? Still about the same as I have to this point in time. It's a work in progress. Which, by the way, they were they were in the news this week. You know, during the game, they, uh, Mr. Uh, Carlos Hyde got uh, thrown out of the game. Had a little bit of a fight tizzy fit on Sunday. There were a few fights. Yeah, there were quite a few fights actually. Quite a few teams had some fights go down. 
And, John, uh, Seahawks get the uh, the Thursday night game against the Cardinals. You, you feeling confident about that one? Yeah. Um, it, they've been up and down, but, you know, they beat the Cardinals. They're 6-3, and three, and I'm, I'm feeling good again. So. And I'll tell you what, yeah. Wilson has been fantastic for my fantasy teams. Yeah, but they, but they did lose at home to the Washington Redskins. Yes, but they're still <laughs> five and three. I know, <laughs> but nobody likes. I'd the rather Redskins. be five and three than zero and nine. So shut it. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It, Why did I have a feeling you were going to go there? <laughs> okay. A- any of these games interest you this week? The truth. We, we've got the Jets what? and the Bucks, the Saints and the Bills, the Browns and the Lions. There's your game of the week. Bengals <clears> and Titans, Packers, Bears. There's a good rivalry game, if nothing else. And you know the Bears might have a chance with with Rodgers being out. Probably, and no, you know they don't have Cutler to to lead their helm anymore. He's down there in Miami in that debacle. <laughs> Let's see, Vikings, Redskins, Steelers, Colts, Texans, Rams, maybe. Giants, Niners. That that could be ugly. Giants, Niners. Yeah, it could be ugly because the Giants are what. Uh-huh. I mean, the Niners are 0-9. The Giants only have, what, two, three more wins than that, don't they, at this point in time? 1-7. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that, that's, that's like the Jazz-Sixers matchup of all right, the week. All right, guys, that's 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 your NFL uh, NFL League Pass game of the week right there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, Cowboys-Falcons, Patriots-Broncos. Ooh, that'll be a big one right there, Patriots-Broncos. Uh, I don't know, man. No? I, 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 I no. Hey, no. hey, John, you know how quickly he was going to glaze right over that game, right? We we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> we can talk about San Francisco some more. And then Dolphins, Panthers. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's not any games that really intrigue me that much this uh, week. Of course not. All right. Next on the uh, Devin's Quick Hits. Um, well, they're not playing, it looks like, but uh, the Eagles, are they for real? Uh, they were. Went. Wentz, that's all I got to say, right? Yeah, he, yeah. he could be an MVP this year. <clears throat> I think, I think they're, I think they're for real. I'm worried about. Um, it just lost somebody big, though. Yeah. Was it, was it uh, Zach Ertz? Uh, I don't remember. It was in is the he news. out for the season, or is he? Or is he just week to week? I don't remember. But they, they picked. Up, I don't know how to say his last name. A J A. Yeah, from Miami. Yeah, he was great right away. Yeah. I'm just doing a, a quick scan here to see what the news is on them. Um, they worked out three free agent long snappers. Because that's going to get them wins in the long run. Hey, you got to respect the, the snap game. All right. Laces out. Yeah, Dan. <laughs> All right, that's that's all we're going to do for quick hits today. A lot of football talk. That's our Einhorn Finkel for the week, or Finkel and an Einhorn. Yeah, whatever. All right, that will be Devin's quick hits. Let's move on to pop culture. And, John, we have things to talk about this week. All three of us have one thing that we're all on board with, and then we have a movie to talk about. Where do you want to start, movie or series? Let's start with TV. All right. So, uh, Stranger Things, and, and I, I, hey, I hinted of this last week. I said this episode be heavy on the Stranger Things. Yeah, it's going to. Devin, you were up late that Saturday night, I think, watching it. John, did you binge it the entire weekend, or when did you finally finish? Uh, it took me about, I watched it with my wife, so we watched. Yeah. Took you about how long? About a week. About a week, okay. So I, it took me, it came out Friday. I watched it, uh, watched the first episode Friday morning before work. And then Friday night, I was up till two o'clock Saturday night. I was up till two o'clock and Sunday morning. I woke up and watched the the final episode. So yeah, three, two days, two days for me, Devin. Uh, three evenings. There you go. So everybody's thoughts, John, what did you think of season two? I really enjoyed it. Um, it went 
directions I didn't think it was going to go. There were, I mean, it wasn't perfect. There were a couple things that bothered me about it. But I really enjoyed getting the gang back together again, and I really enjoyed all the possibilities on where it could go for season three. I liked, I mean, when Paul Reiser showed up, I figured his character was going to go one way and it went a different way. Me too. I I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed seeing Sean Astin again. I enjoyed the character arc of Steve. Um. I'm glad that I read in advance that episode seven is the weakest of the season. So I had low expectations and that was fine. <laughs> okay. I want to address that for a minute though. And, and Devin, I'm going to yeah. watch your input, watch your input here. I actually felt like that was a necessary episode as weak as some people call it. It was necessary for Eleven's development. Yeah. It, it did develop, but it felt like a big detour to set up season three. And I was already annoyed at that point that they were keeping Eleven apart from the rest of the boys. Because what made the first one so special is the relationship of Eleven and Mike and the other boys as they're trying to find Will. And it was it was that core group. And so to have her away from them most of the season, I'm kind of frustrated by that. Yeah, what did you think, Devin? I mean, how did you feel about that episode I, and, and that idea? I can see both sides of it. You know, like John's saying, it it was the the bond and the development of that relationship that made season one so memorable in a lot of ways. Uh, but at the same time, I can see the importance of her having to kind of grow. And you have her in this role where she's secluded. Um you know, in the cabin, that's, that's her life. And she's not out there and she's not doing any training or something. And then you get towards the, the end of the season and, you know, 11 is obviously going to have to be the one to, to save the world right here. Um, you know, so you're not going to save the world when you're sitting around eating egos and watching TV. Right. So I, I liked it well enough. Did it drag a little bit more than it needed to? Yeah. It did, uh, but I think it gave you background, and it left it open with the way that eight was um, special in a different way. Yes, gives you this opportunity of saying, okay, well, all of these other numbers that are out there, all these other people, um, which ones may we potentially meet in upcoming seasons? Yeah, and what are their abilities going to be? So it it kind of got you thinking down the road, which made me okay with it. But yeah, I, I, I kind of get it. It wasn't, it wasn't as great as the other episode. Sure. Um, it would have been great to have more time of the crew all back together, but you know, for me, it worked. I just hate that. I have to wait however long for season three to come out. And John, you mentioned Sean Aston and you mentioned Paul Reiser. I want your thoughts on the other two additions to this, to this season two. Um, and that is, um, I'm already forgetting her name. Um, their new friend. What did they call her in the show again? Max. Max. Max and her and her stepbrother. How did you feel about their character arcs? And any any? I mean, what did you think about them? I liked how there was another jerk to show up so that Steve could evolve into something else. I liked how Max integrated her way into the group in a very different way than Eleven did. And I like the I'm looking forward to season three to see how Max and Eleven merge since Eleven was not very nice to Max. I, I like that uh, friction there. So, um, you know, they're they're obviously going to do a lot more with them in the next season. And you don't want you don't want too many things happening in the season that just feels like it's just building towards the next. Season. There's a lot of satisfying things that happen this season. Right. That I enjoyed, but I also enjoy a lot of the potential uh, from where we finished. No, I agree. Um, and, and the one thing I was going to mention is Max stepbrother. I, the one thing I liked about him, I felt like he was the prototypical hairband kid, the hair, you know, the, 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 the total metal kid from the eighties, right. You know, the jean jacket, smoking, smoking, smoking the weed, whatever it is. And, and, hitting on the mom. I mean, that, that was the prototypical guy from that, from that era, wasn't it? Right. 
Yeah, I think so. The car, the music, yeah. the earring, like you said, the smoking. Yeah. The the subtle flirting with the mom, which I very much appreciated. <laughs> now, that was one of my favorite moments yeah. in, in season two. I just felt like they hit close to home with the 80s kids again. And it, John, you and I are from that era. We were the age of these boys. I mean, that, that hit close to home for me. It reminded me of my junior high days. There were guys like that in junior high and high school. It just it, it hit home. Final thoughts on Stranger Things. I, I feel like it's very accurate to how the age felt. I liked how it demonstrates that if you had the bike, you had ultimate freedom. I feel bad for kids these days. They can't be as free as we were. I like how Mike's parents do not care where he is at all times. Um, and I just I just think it it recaptures the era very thoroughly. And I, I'm showing it to my older kids. My older kids are really enjoying it. So, you know, it's it's still one of my favorite series. And I can't wait for season three in a year. You summed it up perfectly. I'm the same way. Devin, you? Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite things that we didn't mention, though, uh, Stranger Things has one of, if not the best soundtracks for a, a series that I've, I've seen slash heard. Oh, yeah. The, the soundtrack is great. And I'm not just talking about the rock, the rock soundtrack. We're, we're talking some of the developed music in the background, too. I mean, it, right, it was right. great. The, 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 the whole thing is fantastic. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. John, you and I saw a movie this weekend. Uh, let's uh, let's tell everybody about Thor. Thor Ragnarok. I think it's one of the funniest movies Marvel's done. I think it's in my top five for movies in the Marvel Universe. I really enjoyed the improvisational aspects to the dialogue. I thought Jeff Goldblum was a lot of fun as the game master. I really enjoyed Kate Blanchett's performances. Hella, I wish her motivations had been a little stronger other than just world domination, but I still really enjoyed her. And I really liked the interaction of Thor and Hulk, not only with Thor and Hulk, but with Thor and Banner. I liked I liked the dynamics of both of those differences. So, you know, I, I, I was well pleased with it. I, I really enjoyed it. Best Thor movie to date? Yep. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Guardians is still my favorite Marvel movie, but this one, Thor, Thor Ragnarok definitely fits in my top five, um, for ever, for all of the reasons you mentioned. Although my favorite, my favorite aspect of Avengers carried over into this. I've always enjoyed the interaction between Hulk and Thor, and they have carried that extremely well across all of the movies to this point. And, and it, it culminated in in them working together in this movie. And it was great. It was fantastic. Um, I, uh, I also liked what they did with Loki's character in this. I, I felt like there was Loki and, and Thor made some ground that I kind of wish had happened a lot sooner, but I felt like it's worked pretty well to this point. So it was nice seeing them finally hit some common ground and work a little bit better. Um, but I, I'm with you. I, I really enjoyed this film very much. Uh, it was, it, it, it was funny. It was entertaining. And we didn't even mention, you know, the, the brief cameo of another, uh, another Marvel character in this film. Well, there were a couple in there. Um, the, the one that isn't a spoiler, I guess, is Dr. Strange. I really yeah. like seeing him at his scene and seeing how he's going to fit in with everybody else. And I thought that was great. Yeah, so did I. And it, it's funny, too. Anybody who has seen the other Avenger movies, I think it was Avenger and it was the second one. At the very end, the post credit scenes actually had uh, Thor sitting down with. Um, was it was it that one, I think, where Thor was sitting down with Doctor Strange? So this was a carryover from that credit scene teaser, right? Wasn't it that film? Oh, Yeah. They teased Sounds us right. a little bit on it. So, no, this was a carryover from that scene. This added a lot of humor. I mean, I felt like the humor got off to a get-go from the opening scene of this film. And, and Thor was handling it quite well, just all his own, from a, from a comedic standpoint. But then the Doctor Strange element added some humor. And then, of course, like I said, my favorite is Hulk versus Thor. And that was just, it was great. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, oh my gosh. He he was really good, and I was talking to somebody who felt like there was a lot of it. They felt like it was an impromptu, really, from him. 
and and I almost it almost felt that loose for him in this film. It's almost like it was. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? It was like it, it. I'm sure it was written that way, but it felt so just mm-hmm. impromptu from him, didn't it? Yeah. Well, I I read uh, had an interview with the director who directed quirky comedies before he got this movie, and he said he encouraged improvising between the cast. And he himself, he was the voice of Korg, who was that blue monster that looked kind of like the thing. Yeah, yeah. That Kiwi guy. Yeah, that that's the director. And he, and he was he was hilarious. He was one of the best characters in the movie. Oh, yeah, he was. Oh, it was great. So, no, and you're right. There was a lot of improv um, through that through that entire sequence on that in, in that planet with Jeff Goldblum. And it was well done. Uh, it was funny. It was awesome. Um, as with all Marvel films, you want to stay post credit because there is one scene um, very much very early on in the credits. And then, of course, there is a scene after the credits are completely over. You need to stick around for it. So um, any other thoughts on Thor? Mm, no, that's good. All right. So go see Thor, and if you haven't binge-watched Stranger Things 2, or if you haven't watched any of it, then go for it. Start with Stranger Things if you haven't watched it. It's, it's, both seasons are worth it. Uh, the three of us will, will rave over and over again about it for months to come. So uh, thank you all for joining us for another wonderful episode, fun episode of Jedi and Germs. We appreciate you along, along with us each and every week. Uh, join our discussion. Uh, tweet at us. Facebook us. Message us, email us. We'll uh, be glad to respond and and have a good conversation with you about some of the topics we've talked about tonight. Um, You can check us out anywhere you listen to Jedi and Germs, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Catch you next week. John, take us out. Bye, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.